I want to give a huge thank you to my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for sponsoring today's podcast. We all know how important healthcare is for our family, especially when it comes to a medical emergency, like the one experienced by Cameron and Rowanna, whose son fractured his wrist jumping out of a cardboard box. Hospital bills started to arrive in the mail, but as Samaritan members, they weren't concerned about the financial impact because they knew fellow members would come alongside of them through prayer, encouragement, and financial support for their shareable bills. As a Samaritan member, when a healthcare need arises, you choose the providers that work best for you and your family. Medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries. They notify members to pray for you and send money, which you use to help pay your medical bills. Online resources are available to help you choose a provider and get a fair price on medical procedures. And you'll have 24-7 access to medical professionals by phone or email, so you can get advice before visiting the doctor, saving you time and money. Samaritan Ministries is not insurance. It's biblical, affordable health care sharing. And since they're not bound by open enrollment, you can join today. We all know that a medical emergency can happen at any time. Make sure you're prepared. Visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash DadTired to learn more. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. All right. Well, happy 2020, guys. It's great to be back here with you. Welcome to a new year. I love New Year's. Uh, We just went through with the Family Leadership Program Uh, The guys in that program, we talked about reflecting back on what God has done in 2020, even though it was a chaotic year, we still believe God moved and he's continuing to work in us. He's not in panic mode and we don't need to be in panic mode. So we spent some time uh, talking about how God has worked in 2020. And then we set really intentional goals as husbands, fathers, and dads and disciples um, for 2021. So if you're not part of our family leadership program and you want a bunch of guys who can come alongside of you and help you grow as a husband, disciple, father, we would love to have you. We just started our January cohort, but you can jump into February's. Go to dadtire.com forward slash lead and make sure you get on that wait list. We only let 30 guys in at a time. So we would love to have you come be part of that. Uh, I have uh, just so much on my heart, man, that I am excited to share with you. Next week, I'm going to be sharing uh, just some things that God has placed on my heart that I want you guys to join me in prayer and dreaming. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give away too much right now because we'll save it for next week. But just know I've got some big things on my heart for 2021, and I want you to be part of it. Uh, so that'll come next week. Today, though, we have my friend Carl Lafferton, who just wrote a beautiful children's book that I know your kids are going to love. But more than just the book, we talk about what does it look like to teach our kids about Christ, how our kids share with their friends about Christ at school, with their friends. Uh, is it okay? When is it like weird? How do you do it so it's not offensive and awkward? We cover kind of all of that today. It's a really insightful interview. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So without further ado, here's my friend Carl Lafferton. Carl, so excited that you decided to hang out with us today, man. For the audience who may not be familiar with you, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Hey, it's great to be with you, Jared. Um, so my name is Carl Lafferton. I'm uh, I'm I'm British, as you can probably tell from from the accent. Um, and I'm told that um, that makes me sound 
more intelligent than I really am. So <laughs> I'm about to be a bit of disappointment to anybody who's listening in. Um, but uh, so I, I serve as executive vice president for publishing at the Good Book Company. We're a, a publisher with an office in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and in in London, England, which is where I am right now. Um, I am an elder in my local church, um, and uh, most importantly, I'm a uh, a husband to one wife, Lizzie, and uh, and a father to two kids. Uh, Benjamin is eight, and Abigail is six. Hmm. Man, uh, well, I'm excited to dive in. You you have a brand new book that is going to be coming out, and uh, mm-hmm. so I want to talk about that today. But before we get into that specific title, um, the Good Book Company is one of I think probably when I think through quality books that I can put in front of my kids that help me as a dad disciple my kids. Uh, I think the good book company is like top of the list. Um, I've got every one of the the kids. Is there like, is there a name for that series of books um, that? Yeah. So I think you're pro- if you're thinking of the one that my new book is in the God contest, then that's uh, tales that tell the truth series. Tales yeah. that tell the truth. Wow. Yeah. That series is just, I have all of those and we read them constantly. I've been reading those to my kids since they were really young and uh, they're just, they're so, so well done from, from the content of, how they were written to the art. Um, I think they're the best man, but anyway, you, you've just added a new book to that series. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for uh, encouraging us on the series. Um, uh, and yeah, so, um, having written one couple, uh, well, nearly, yeah, four or five years ago now, um, the garden, the curtain, the cross, um, I'd kind of thought I was, uh, a kind of a one kid's book kind of guy. You know, there's some people who have one book in them, not more than that. Um, but, um, yeah, I've ended up writing, uh, this book called the God contest, um, which is, uh, looking at Elijah and the prophets of Baal, um, up on Mount Carmel from first Kings chapter 18. And, um, it came about really because, um, when my son, uh, started school, um, he started at the public school when he was five, um, which is when kids started here. And, um, he came home one evening and was explaining that he'd been having a conversation with some of his school friends uh, and some of them thought that there were lots of gods Mm. and some one of them was very clear that there was no god at all and they'd clearly been having this conversation and um he just said uh, my son just said to me um daddy how do we know who's right Mm. and um i was like man that's um i wasn't expecting to get into that at this age but I'm glad that we're getting into it now rather yeah. than, you know, when you're 15 or 20. And uh, so I just wanted to equip him with uh, with something from Scripture, not a, not a proposition or a doctrine so much as a story that was going to help him get to grips with how we can know for sure who the real God is. And um, eventually I, I ended up telling him about this, this wonderful Old Testament story where the um, – you know, you've got Israel who are completely unsure about who God is. They ought to know that it's Yahweh, of course, uh, but they don't. And their heads are being turned by uh, the false god Baal. And so Elijah takes them up this mountain for this God contest, who, which God can provide fire uh, onto his altar. And I just thought it's a, it's, a, it's a compelling story. It's a really cool story. But it's also a story that just helps us see that there is only one God who in history has proved who he is and what he's like. And that's the God of the Bible. And so we, I, I, if you like, took my son up Mount Carmel and said, you know, this is the story. What, what do you make of it? What's it helping us to see about 
about how we can know who the real God is. And then I, if you like, took him up Mount Zion and we talked about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus in the empty tomb. And there again is God proving for sure who he is uh, in, a, in a climate and a culture where, where, where everyone's very unsure whether uh, there's one God, many gods, whether Jesus is the real God or not, and so on. So that, that was the kind of the birth of uh, the God contest, was just wanting to find a way to tell my son in a compelling way, in a positive way, that was going to give him confidence that God is the real God and he can stand on that truth. What I love about uh, that story that you just shared, man, is that you you took his question and you pointed him back to the scriptures and then you asked him what he thought about that, um, which is, mm-hmm. I think for any dad listening, that's a huge, like, that's such a great way of approaching that is like, here's what the Bible says and what do you think? And then trusting that the mm-hmm. spirit of God is working in your children and, mm-hmm. uh, and pursuing their little hearts the way that he's pursued our hearts yeah. and just kind and, of teaming up and watching the spirit work. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah, man. I'm, and I'm so bad at doing that. Um, mm. So I don't want to sound like I get that <laughs> right all the time because my, my natural response when my kids ask me a question like that, particularly if it's coming from something that one of their friends has said at school, you know, so they're out in the world and, and I'm always worried, have I equipped them? You know, what, what's the world going to do to them? And so on. So my natural response is to panic. And to mm. just kind of preach to them. Mm. And um, I, I uh, just this past year, I edited a, a great book by um, Rebecca Manley Pippet, uh, the, the evangelist called Stay Salt. And uh, she says in there that um, Jesus came telling stories and asking questions. And we tend to come uh, uh, preaching sermons and giving answers. Mm. And um, and I know that that's what I tend to do with, with my kids uh with, with everyone really is just kind of oh you've got this question or you've got this thing let me give you doctrine let me tell you what you have to think kind of thing but actually I think you're right there Jared that I need to I need to trust their hearts to the spirit because I can't save them but he can and I, I've got to give them time and space to think things through for themselves because it strikes me that um I don't want I don't want Benjamin going back into school and talking to his friends about who the real God is and saying, well, my dad says this <laughs> or that. Or the other. I want him going back saying, yeah, well, well, I think this mm. and I think it because the Bible says this. Mm. Why don't I tell you this amazing story of how there was a God who sent fire down from heaven to prove himself? That's that's what I want him going out into the world with the confidence based on the scriptures given to him by the spirit, not just, well, my dad says, you know, you should support this football team. My dad says you should follow right. this God kind of thing. Right. Because we know that will fade, right? When when they get to the exactly. age where they can actually think reasonably for themselves, they're going to, you know, potentially make decisions that aren't mom and dad's decision. Uh, I yeah, because I, yeah. I have to accept that one day my son's not going to think I'm cool anymore. <laughs> and he's not going <laughs> to think that I'm the authority on everything. And, and at that stage, I don't really want him standing on my authority in terms of his faith. I want him standing yeah. on the authority of something a bit more timeless and authoritative. Yeah, I'm afraid that day is coming much sooner than uh, you and I hope. <laughs> we have sons, it sounds like <laughs> sim- similar ages, and uh, I have a feeling that day is coming soon. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, well, I appreciate your humility in saying that. Cause I, I think that even as you kind of confessed that that's not your normal, uh, habit when your son approaches you with a question, uh, I, I just felt the same, man. I'm like, how many times do I feel like my son or my daughter comes to me and asks me a question? And this is just like a, 
uh, a perfect opportunity for me just to give them some kind of lecture, which is so funny. This happens, this happens daily, but it just happened yesterday where my son will ask me a question and I go into some big monologue, you know, giving him some deep answer. And then he interrupts me with some talking about a subject that we weren't even talking about, right? Like, uh, like he just halfway through my monologue, he just completely spaced and moved on to a different topic. And so, Yeah, I yeah, I, I which love... is a kid's way of saying "dad." Enough, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm slowly learning. Just if I can remember when they ask me a question to say, "Well, what do you think?" Mm-hmm. Um, then that teases out really what is behind the question they're asking. Yep. Um, and it also gives me a bit of time to think. Okay, remember, Carl, not to give a monologue. Remember mm-hmm. not to give them a three-point half-hour sermon. Uh, remember <laughs> to just be, you know, be gentle and yeah. and scriptural here. And so, um, yeah. Well, what do you think is um, the question I'm trying to remember to ask when when my kids are like, "Hey, Daddy, I don't, I don't even know whether Jesus rose from the dead. Did he really? You know, just calm. You know, what do you think? Why do you think that? And so on. And then um, that that gives me the space not to get it wrong. I, what I've noticed is some of the best leaders that I've ever met, uh, and, and I've never met Jesus personally face to face on here on earth. Uh, but we see it in scripture with him even, but as you mentioned, but the, the best leaders that I've ever met are the best question askers. They're the ones who know how yeah, to take and to, to take, to take whatever subject or whatever question you ask, and they just know what question to ask to get beneath the surface. Jesus was just so masterful at that. Um, but you, you watch any yeah. good leader and they're just, you know, they know how to ask the good question to get underneath the surface. So, uh, and I, I think just, you know, for a real practical for dads here, um, this, the, the follow-up question with what you just said, um, well, what do you think is just the simplest way to start and to start getting on that habit of being a good question asker as a dad, um, whatever question they pose to us just to rebuttal that with, or, you know, reply back with, well, what do you think? I think that's such a simple, easy way to, to kind of get us started on that. I love that. Uh, but I, w- I want to talk about what you just said there about, you know, your son going back and saying, well, my dad says this, how do you, what, what do you think about when your, your son comes to you? He says, you know, how do we know God is the only God? How do we know Jesus is the only God? And then you point him to this story and you, you ask him good questions. Um, how do you navigate him going back into a secular world and, and now telling his friends, well, you're all wrong. And, uh, and I've got the right way. Like, how do you, have you had that conversation with him or how do you plan to have that conversation? What are your, what are some of your thoughts around that? So I think, um, uh, we have done a fair amount of teaching. I say we, my wife has, uh, done a fair amount with them just sitting in Genesis one actually. And, and really trying to help our kids understand what it means for them to be made in the image of God and the intrinsic value that they have that no one can strip from them and the dignity that they have. Um, But also that all people are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And um, I I hope, you know, I mean, I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, so I'm not saying I I know how it's going to play out and I'm not saying they get it right all the time by any means, any more than their parents do. But I, I hope that that means that they look at other kids at school gym class and so on and this and they they just deep down they know that the these are creatures made by a loving creator in his image so they i i I can't just go and tell them that they're wrong um because 
um, because I need to treat them with respect and dignity. That's the first thing, I think. And then the second thing, and again, the reason I wanted to, the reason I ended up writing the book rather than just leaving this as a conversation with my son was because uh, in the God contest, um, I don't say uh, all the other gods are wrong. <laughs> mm. I don't I don't give a sort of a didactic, hey, hey, kids who are blessed enough to grow up in a Christian home, did you know all your friends who, who think otherwise are completely wrong? No, I, I want to give them a positive message that actually there are many different options uh, in terms of who God is or isn't. And uh, for their own hearts and for their friends, they're going to be confronted by this world of options. And however much we try and protect them from the world, and I know parents differ on how, how long and how far we should do that, they are going to have to go out in the world and they're going to be presented by these options. I want to give them a positive confidence uh, uh, by giving them stories from Scripture not that if you like, just tear down the false gods, but that build up the real God and point to him and say, here, here is here is who the real God is and how he's proved it. So that hopefully my kids are going back into uh, the playground and hopefully they're wanting to have conversations with their friends. Uh, but when they do, they're, they're not saying, well, you're wrong so much as saying, can I tell you why I think what I think? Mm. Um, uh, 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 I was... You know, I, I know this this thing happened in history where people were really confused about who the real God was. And so they had this competition. Kids love competitions. You know, they had this competition and and only one God was able to send fire from heaven and go boom on the altar. And um, and and so that they're 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 sort of telling their friends about these true stories from the Bible. And then maybe hopefully, you know, saying to their friends, what you know, why do you think what you think? Um you know what, what? What is it that makes you think that there are lots of different gods or no god at all? And how do you, how do you think about this story that I just told? Now I'm not saying they're going to do all that, you know, in one conversation when they're eight and six, but yeah. that's what we're sort of praying into and working towards. And again, that's why I, I, I want, firstly, my kids for their own hearts, but then for their conversations with friends, to not just think, well, everybody else is wrong and we've got the right answer. True that though that may be, but 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 be thinking more positively than than that. Isn't it brilliant? That not it wonderful that the real God has proven who he is and done it in such exciting ways as a fire on a mountain and an empty tomb? That's what I want them to be. I want them to be excited about the truth. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Uh, and I love what you said there too about how we, I mean, this would be the goal. We, we've got young kids and, you know, this might be kind of an, uh, an ideal image of what we're trying to get after, but trying to help our kids ask questions. So we were just talking about us asking them questions to get underneath the heart, but for them to train our, our children to ask good questions, I think that'll come in. Uh, it'll be so beneficial to them even in their personal relationships, but even as they grow up older and they have professors and teachers and bosses and to just, instead of just constantly, you know, trying to prove by, well, I, X, Y, Z, this is true. Uh, instead of just saying that, like teaching them to ask really good questions, to get underneath the heart of whomever is, uh, you know, talking to them or trying to influence them as well. Um, I'm, I'm taking personal notes as a dad here. <laughs> you know, I know I'm trying to, to talk to dads, but I'm just like thinking through right now, like what would it look like for me to start to train my children? Uh, one that I would be asking them questions, but also that they would learn that one of the best ways to approach and share the truth of the gospel for other people is to actually ask, teach them how to ask good questions to their friends and, um, you know, other people as they grow up. Yeah, I um, 
and I'm taking notes for myself as well because it's it's always easy to come on a podcast and uh, give these kind of uh, hints and tips and so on. But um, you know, then then the the great the great and awful thing about having kids is it just keeps you humble, doesn't it? So exactly, you, you go home and I guarantee within 24 hours I would thought to myself. What I've just said there is so not how I said to do it on that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I oftentimes, man, when I'm when I'm like teaching at conferences and stuff, I have to just preface and say, uh, you know, I'm about to tell you something that I'm probably going to not do, you know, in two hours when I get home, uh, I will probably fail at this miserably. Um, but here's the ideal scenario here. Uh, so I, I totally get that. How do you, when you were talking to your son about the God contest and uh, and you're talking about you know, from First Kings, that story, were you able to make a connection for him or for your children about that story and then the story of Jesus? Like, has it come up where they're like, well, that was Old Testament. That's probably not asking these questions, you know, at seven and nine or six and eight. But, you know, how how do you make the tie between Elijah and Jesus? So uh, genuinely, Jared, I can't remember how I did it with with Benjamin. Um, but in, in the book, because, um, of course, First Kings 18 is this fantastic climactic uh, moment where the fire comes down from heaven and the people say, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And it's like, oh, finally, Israel's going to get back on track and they're going to worship Yahweh properly. And, you know, they're going to be God's people living in the land, God's way, blessed by him. And then in, in the very next scene, um, Jezebel's trying to kill Elijah and Elijah's <laughs> pegging it off into the wilderness. And then saying to God, you know, there's actually, as it turns out, most people don't really think that you are God. And mm. I'd quite like to die now because there's only me. Mm. And God, of course, says I've reserved several thousand, but still, there's only several thousand out of what must have been at least hundreds of thousands of Israelites. Yeah. And so um, so in the book, we just say, well, look, um, this amazing thing happened, but then the people forgot about it. Yep. And um, uh, the people, some of the people just didn't like the result of the god contest and so for hundreds of years actually not many people followed yahweh not many people if you like chose to be on team yahweh um and so god it was time for god to do something else if you like another god contest and this time he didn't just send a prophet he sent himself he came as mm. a man so that's that's how the book transitions because always what we're trying to do in it, well in all our books uh but but maybe particularly for kids when we're looking at the old testament we're trying to show them how to see it through New Testament uh, lenses, as it were, and so that these stories are not just great examples or great moral tales or even great truths, but they're they're Christ-centered realities. And so, in the book, then we we sort of move from Elijah on Mount Carmel to Jesus. And again, of course, in his day, you know, you've got the Roman occupiers, huge number of gods, and you can kind of pick and choose any god. Uh, sort of combo that you like. Um, you've got the Jews, fiercely monotheistic, but very determined that Jesus is not uh, the one true God. Uh, and then you've got Jesus saying, well, I'm going to prove it to you. Um, you know, you're going to kill me. And then three days later, I'll rise again. If I can keep that promise, then I must be divine. So um, so that's how, that's how uh, in the God contest, we help kids to see actually Elijah and the fire on the mountain is a cool story and the illustration that Catalina Echeverri does all the illustrations for this series the illustration she's done when a fire comes down is one of my favorites but uh, but actually that's not the greatest uh, God contest it's not the greatest proof because uh, God came himself as a man died 
and rose again. And that is um, where we take even more confidence from that we know the real uh, the real God, the God of history. His name is Jesus. Mm. I think a lot of dads have trouble with what you just said, where it, you know, taking especially the Old Testament stories and connecting them back to Jesus. I think in general, a lot of dads just feel like, you know, I want to talk to my kids about God. I'm trying my best to be the spiritual leader of my home, but I just have a hard time, you know, taking scripture and then pointing it back to real life for them. And then that becomes especially true when we're talking about the Old Testament. It's just like, man, how do I, mm-hmm. I how do I teach my kids, uh, you know, point back to the Old Testament and the scriptures and, and make this practical for my kids? Do you have any tips on that or any thoughts like to help a dad who's trying to figure out, you know, stumbling his way the way that you have talked about at taking these stories and really helping their kids understand what this looks like and how this applies to real life? Great question. Um, I guess off the top of my head, I would say the first thing is I really think it's worth doing because the Old Testament is full of stories that are just fantastic for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, as as long as you don't turn them into, hey, little man, I want you to be a David, you know, go right. fight your own Goliath. Or, right. You know, hey, you be you go be like Daniel. But supremely, these are stories um, that are explaining to us who God is um, and and what and pointing forward to the Lord Jesus. He is the greater David. He is the ultimate Daniel and so on. So I guess it's, I think I'd say it's well worth working out how to do. Um, and a, part of it is, I suppose, having a, a good grasp of biblical theology for ourselves. So, I mean, one book I return to from time to time because it's short, clear and fantastic is a book called God's Big Picture by Vaughan Roberts, um, which uh, just puts the Bible story together. And I remember the first time I read it as a new Christian when I was, and uh, it must have been 19, 20. Uh, wow, that, the whole, you, you mean this is just one story? This is amazing. So um, so I think it's, I, I had to get it under my my own belt, as it were, and into my own heart. Um, and then, and then I guess it's just about drawing the threads between an Old Testament story and Jesus and not feeling like I have to go to the atonement every time. Not all by, uh, Old Testament stories are necessarily taking me to uh, to the cross. Um, and then with our kids, we've, I suppose, not necessarily by design, but we've just sort of ended up oftentimes trying to take them to the whole story of the Bible uh, so that they have this sense that the Bible is one story. And that then allows them hopefully to to see each of the uh, Old Testament stories within its context in terms of the whole story of redemption that God is telling and that hopefully we pray they are part of by faith. Um, so, I mean, that's why I wrote um, The Garden, The Curtain, The Cross a few years ago, was just to try to give young kids this sense of there's one story. It starts in the Garden of Eden. It finishes off in the new creation. It's climaxes, the cross and resurrection. And hey, you can be a part of it. Um, so I guess, I guess uh, yeah, in summary, what am I saying? Uh, I think it's well worth doing with your kids. Um, make sure that you have a good biblical theological framework for yourself so that you can see how the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus and all the uh, manifold ways that it does. Uh, and, and then just just try it with your kids. Just tell them Old Testament stories. Think about how are we seeing glimmers of Jesus in this story. And hopefully st- books like The Gold Contest can can give you a head start because 
Of course, when you're in the moment with your kids, it's far harder to do because you're having to do it off the top of your head. Yeah. Whereas people like me get paid to sit around for hours trying to work out how we're going to do it. And then we write it down <laughs> and somebody does amazing illustrations and then it just gives you a head start as a dad, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they really are fantastic tools. Um, this book, the, the, uh, the other book that you've mentioned or that you wrote, the, 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 all the books in the series, they really are very helpful resources for dads that are trying to figure this stuff out. What was the, can you say the book again, uh, that you said you read when you were a new Christian that was helpful? What was sure. it? So it's by a guy, it's by a guy, um, British guy called Vaughan Roberts, uh, V-A-U-G-H-A-N, Vaughan Roberts. And it's called God's Big Picture. God's Big Picture. Okay. Yeah. We'll put that one in the show notes. I don't think I've read that one or heard that one, but it sounds interesting. There's a, uh, you know, I was thinking through the children's book, um, the Jesus storybook Bible, which is kind of a retelling of stories that do the same thing with all these stories that are pointing back to Jesus. So that's helpful too, for, um, kids and dads to kind of understand the big story of what God is doing all throughout scripture. Um, yeah, man, I, for the, for the young dad who is listening to this and, um, He's trying his best. So we like to ask this question as we kind of wrap up. But, you know, for the young dad, that's he's just day to day trying to figure out how to pay the bills and to make sure there's food on the table and to be an engaged husband and dad. Um, and he's trying his best to be the spiritual leader, but he just doesn't really know what to do or where to go. What would you how would you encourage that dad who's listening right now to stay the course? I think I would say two things that I know I forget myself but have been helpful for me. Um, One is that we parent by grace. Mm. Uh, God is not looking for perfection, um, but he is looking for devotion, devotion to him, devotion to our spouses, devotion to our kids. And um, and so, you know, every day we are going to mess up. We are going to get it wrong. Um, we are going to need to say sorry to our kids. Just this past weekend, I had to say sorry to my son because I, I realized I've been exasperating him all day in a particular way. Mm. Um, and and so we we got a parent by grace. Um, I think it's probably possible to read too many books on parenting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, uh, uh, and so um, my my job as a as a as a husband and as a father is to just hold on to grace myself and try and live by grace myself. And that means sometimes, uh, oftentimes I'm grace parenting by grace is going to look like repenting and saying, I'm sorry, I got this wrong. Please forgive me. Um, and, and I think that's actually very powerful. Um, I think I I tend to try to feel like, or I tend to feel like I've got to be the perfect father, uh, and, and cover it up when I'm not, um, actually I need to confess it when I'm not. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I remember, uh, a few years back, there was a, a men's group at my church, and we had an older guy uh, come speak to us, um, one of these wonderful older saints who you just look at and you think, I want to be like that when I grow up. Mm. Um, and he he said, we can crush ourselves by by looking at what the perfect husband and the perfect dad would look like, and, and we just get crushed by it because we're never that. And he said, sometimes it's much better to just look at progress. So... Um, Rather than trying to be the perfect dad today, I'm just going to try and be a better dad today than I was yesterday. Mm. And he said, if if we can keep being able to say with integrity, month by month and year by year, I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm a more godly dad, I'm a more patient dad, I'm a more thoughtful dad, I'm a more kind dad, or whatever it is. Um, if we can be making progress, then then that's 
that's great and that's a ball game so i suppose those two things have are things that I try and hold on to, or, or at least ask my wife to remind me when I'm failing to hold on to them. One is, one is par- parenting is about grace. Yeah. Uh, and it's about showing grace and living out grace myself. Uh, and, and secondly, um, maybe, maybe don't worry too much about perfection, but look for progress in, in, mm. in your walk and, and in your, your fathering. Yeah, that is encouraging. It's encouraging to me. I'm sure it's encouraging to a lot of the dads who are listening um, even just you talked about yesterday you had to do this or this last week you had to apologize to your son. I, I had the exact same thing happen yesterday. Uh, I was uh, with my wife and I just asked her, there was a situation with my son where I felt like I failed. And so I had to ask her, I'm like, where, tell me from your perspective where I came short uh, in this situation uh, where I was short with my son and I in some ways lost my temper with him. And I said, you know, tell me what I, from your perspective, what I need to do differently and how to be a better dad here. And then uh, she told me, <laughs> which I didn't actually want to hear. <laughs> felt, good to, felt good to ask the question, but it was a lot harder to hear the answer, if I'm totally honest. And uh, so I'm like, oh, man, okay. So that's uh, obviously she had thought about it, and she had an answer. So, so, so she gave me that. And then, uh, and then it just required me, man. Like in my spirit, I knew I needed to go up there, upstairs, and have a conversation with my son and repent and to apologize. And to be really honest to him, I told him, that's not the kind of dad I want to be. I want to be the kind of dad that you uh, feel like you can come to with anything. And anyway, we had a long, deep talk about it. And uh, all that to say, I think what you're saying is right, this parenting with grace and to allow our wives to be part of that shaping and to humble ourselves to our kids. And um, again, kind of to wrap all this up, to go back full circle and just trusting at the end of the day that God is pursuing their hearts and we don't have to be the hero of the story. We don't have to be the hero of the family because we, uh, we serve a better hero. <laughs> and, uh, if we, Amen. if we can point them to a better God than us, um, they're much better off. So Carl, thank you, man, for spending some time with us today. You're pointing me closer to Jesus, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you.